good morning or evening or afternoon, night, whenever you're listening to this. Thank you for listening to this. Tartar Project, episode 12. Today, special for me. I'm excited as I am week in and week out to be coming to you through a speaker or an AirPod or some other headphone device, audio, very hot right now. I'm sitting down with Joe Holder today. Joe wears many hats, Nike master trainer, creative director, fitness connoisseur, I think is is a pretty fair assessment. Uh, This one was unique for me because it's the first time I'm sitting down with somebody on the Tartar Project that I wasn't already connected with in some way, shape, or form before. And I want to just do a huge shout out to Elliot and Rocky. Thank you for putting me together with Joe. Thank you, Joe, for even coming in. I've been geeking out on Joe's content and vibe for a few months now, and I just, I love his positivity message. I love how raw and real he is, and he's just an awesome dude. Yes, he's from New Jersey. Yes, I geek out on that too. Yes, that's okay. We had a pretty solid conversation. I'll let Joe kind of fill in all the gaps and everything in the next 30 seconds or so whenever I I pop off this intro. A lot of what Joe puts out in the world really resonates with me. I particularly like his concept of ULLC, which I'll let him fill you in on. Uh, But it's essentially just approaching your life as if you're a brand because you are. It's your personal brand. And that's very important with how you conduct and operate within the world. I also really enjoy his take on the plant-based gang, which is his gang. There's gang activity. He's the first one to admit it. And how inclusive it is. And you'll hear more about that towards the later part of the episode. I really like it. I'm in the plant-based gang, even though I eat meat. But he'll fill you in. The other reason I like Joe is he makes me think. And a lot of what he puts into the world does cause me to pause or take a step back and just consider a different perspective or how am I operating or just, yeah, he makes me think. That's it. But... I'm rambling a little bit at this point. I'm excited to bring our conversation to you. Thank you again for tuning in. Again, tell your friends if you like the Tartar Project. If you don't like the Tartar Project, maybe tell a little white lie. Get it out there. I really appreciate it. Five stars on iTunes. Follow me on Spotify. Hit me up. But without further ado, let's get to Joe. We're back. We're in the double digits of the Tartar Project. I'm super excited. I'm actually really excited for today. This is a very unique episode for me. Um, This is the first time that I'm not interviewing somebody I've met before. (laughs) So this is both scary and exciting for me just because I'm I'm a fan. (laughs) I'm a fan of our guest, Joe Holder, Ocho System. It's me. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you being a fan. It's really uh, uh, endearing. But yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Excited to see what we talk about today. You know, vibe it out. For sure. And just, I mean, you posted it, actually, it's yesterday. I don't know when this is actually going to go up, but you had a very interesting piece about fear yeah, yeah, yeah. on your Instagram yeah. about how you're scared, essentially, of fulfilling your potential. Yeah. So I'm feeling a little bit of that today, and it felt <laughs> a little timely. Yeah, fear is a crazy thing. Um I mean, that excerpt is from one of the book that I always uh, suggest people read, but it's just basically War of Art, um, as I'm sure a lot of you already know. But uh, I don't know. It hit me a couple of years back, not even a couple of years, maybe a few months back was just like, 
I was just thinking about how I've never fully applied myself. I've been mildly successful, but I've never really like fully applied myself to anything. And I think that's because I'm slightly scared of what I could become. And I've had a lot of people in my life tell me that, you know, I wasn't good enough to do certain things, which I've done, but uh, I don't know. Um, a few months ago, a year or so ago, it just kind of was a kick in the gut. And I was just like, yo, like, what are you, what are you scared of? Like, just go get it. Let's figure it out. Let's take it step by step. Um, but don't also don't fear fear. Just kind of work through it. That's right. Yeah. You got to face it head on. Yeah. I appreciate Facts. that. Yeah, of course. I mean, ever since, so a good friend of mine put me on to you a couple months back, shout out to Gabby. And I just went down this rabbit hole and one of the most appealing things and why I wanted you on the podcast, I listened to, and it's, it's probably a couple years old at this point, the I Steal Wi-Fi podcast. Oh, wow. You listened to yeah, that? Yeah. Hell yeah. Wow. I was really candid on that one. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> but you, you had some really poignant points and my, my whole piece with this podcast is just exposing my audience and new people to people that are building brands. And I feel like you have a really unique approach to it. What stuck with me and we'll get into what Joe actually does and everything. And I'll stop geeking out. This is obviously a little different than the normal flow, but you have the concept of ULLC. Yeah. 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 Which I, I actually really appreciate. And I think that's super important. And I, I love for you to give your rendition of that and kind of rehash that. I know it, it's from back in the day, no, no, but it no. just I definitely mean, that, resonated. That's still, that's still a core part of how I view everything. Um, Basically, ULLC kind of hit me one, one day where I was always, especially in this age of Instagram where everybody is just basically trying to sell themselves. But it was, I, I found it interesting that people weren't also enriching themselves through basically treating themselves as their first business first, really investing. That's where it comes ULLC, like you're your first business, like you incorporated. And then everything you put out should basically be a manifestation of yourself. So it, sh it shouldn't be disingenuous, it should have a level of integrity. And the thing, in my opinion, is if you use everybody goes to work and works towards the goals of some other bottom line or whatever, capitalistic culture. But if we were to use these business practices, get data, understand the business, understand the numbers, do the things that we do at work to understand ourselves, even 5%, 10% as much as the effort that we put in at work, we'd be so much better off. And then at the end of the day, no matter where you go, the next job you go to, it'll be a better fulfillment of basically you managing yourself like a company in business. Because, I mean, you only have two places to live, I always say, your mind and your body. And we run away from that and basically use our job as a kind of an outlet. And, you know, you may get rich, but like, what are you really enriching? Yeah. So that's kind of the ULLC mindset. Love that. <laughs> it, that, that vibes with something my mom said to me that stuck with me probably six years ago is like, you'll always live inside your own head yeah. and you'll never escape that. And it, it's just, it, she emailed it to me and I have it saved to this day in Gmail. It's like six years old, but it, it's just, it's so true. Yeah. 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 I mean, shit. Like I was spoke on a panel yesterday and they said, what's your, uh, what's your measure of success? What's your definition of success? So I was like, I just want to be comfortable living in my own mind and body. And I think that's just one of, that's one of the, literally the, one of the hardest things to achieve. But, uh, yeah, I mean, your mind, you gotta, you, you have to come to terms with it. And I think it's the hardest thing to come to terms with often. Definitely. Yeah, so. I agree with that. Yeah. Great, so I geeked out, I got that <laughs> out of the way. For everybody listening, so what Joe does, it's not easy to condense down into a <laughs> sentence or even a paragraph. He has his hand in a lot of different things. I'll tell you what he is not, well, actually he is, but what he's not defined by, not an influencer. Yeah, no, not, not an influencer. <laughs> so. Does he have influence? Yes, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's that's not the role. So, in your words, creative director. There's a bunch of consultant. There's a yeah. ton of different angles. 
Um, I mean, just to speak off that point, I mean, I, I like to say, like, uh, in terms of an influencer, I mean, res- respect for what they do, but basically I think you got to be a thought leader, an expert, and then you become a person of influence is always something that I've sought to become. Um, and luckily I have an audience that, you know, consistently pushes me forward. But, uh, yeah, I'm the founder of the Ocho System, which is a wellness strategy that I developed in college. Um, I'm a health and wellness consultant. I'm the creative director of wellness for Smartwater. Um, I have a couple, you know, brand partnerships where I consult with wellness pro- uh, projects, including uh, Whoop. I'm their kind of uh, head of performance and wow. culture. Shout out. I see you got it on sick. You're the red recovery. That's right. Yeah, that, that put it in my email. <laughs> I got back so late last night. I was just like, I need, I need to do this pod, but I'm just like going to be up front. <laughs> I'm dark red. It's 24% today. Damn, I've never hit that though. But, um, and I ran the fastest 5k of my life last night. Oh, all right. That's fair. Yeah. You'll be all right. Yeah. But, uh, I'm also a Nike master trainer. I do some work, uh, with them pretty heavily. Uh, I do some work with Dyson and a couple of hospitality, uh, partner group partnerships that I consult with. So basically I just try to figure out what's good in the health and wellness scene and then figure out the best ways to bring that to life. Um, both, you know, on the individual level with personal training and then on kind of the macro level. Um, with all the other things that I'm involved in. And oh, I'm also the co-founder of a nonprofit called System of Service. Uh, so yeah, I'm just out here trying to hustle, take it day by day. Yeah, feet up, laid back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just like the, the non-busy approach, that's fine. <laughs> this is an exciting question for me, yeah, yeah. just because of I have a very strong pride and you can probably relate to it. Where did you grow up? Jersey, dog. Come That's on. Right. South Orange, New Jersey, 973, stand up. Exodus <laughs> County was good. Exit 15W was popping. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, yeah. Turnpike. Uh, yeah, Turnpike. Not boys. Parkway. Yeah. Um, I'm 162 on the parkway. What was I on? Uh, 62? I, I was 162. I was 152, I think, with South Orange Ave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jersey. Gotta love it. No place like it. Much bigger than the Jersey Shore for those people out there that don't know much about Jersey. Hundred percent. And everybody that was on the Jersey Shore, the show is from Long Island. Just a really? fun fact, pretty much. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then that I always throw that back because people would hit me with that, and I grew up in the town next Damn, to the I Real Housewives. They would go to the diner in my town. We were the poor town, air quotes. <laughs> so we're doing all right, but it's it's just that was our rep. Yeah. And enough. growing up was was school important? To you, like, did you have an entrepreneurial path growing up? Because I know you had, yeah, you had some mean, cool stuff going on in the house. I used to, uh, uh, my my mom and her friend used to call me the banker because apparently as a kid, I used to iron my money because I wanted crisp bills. But it's funny now, I'm not even about money like that. Uh, that Yeah, um, I mean, we all had to hustle. Like my dad, my dad's a doctor, integrative medicine, one of seven kids. But he had a system in our house that had to cause us to be a little bit ingenious, I guess. We had like basically a point system. So, and then we could de- like uh, relinquish those points for, say, if we had Toys R Us and wanted something or things like that. But oftentimes, if you did, if you did something that was like strategic or thought out or well done, like you would get points. Like if you thought of a smarter way to rake the lawn, you would get points. Like. And basically, at the end of the day, it was just probably trying to find ways for us to get chores done. Sure. <laughs> but it always had me thinking about basically different ways to uh, to, to do things. And um, it's actually an interesting question. I don't think anybody's actually asked me that before. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was selling stuff on eBay at a very young age. I was 
uh, hustling mixtapes in middle school and high school, and people yeah. couldn't figure out how to burn them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was always uh, I was always scheming, scheming, doing something, um, and I had to because I went to high school super far away. It took me like an hour and a half to get to high school every day. A lot of time um, to think. transit. <laughs> yeah, I was like reading the newspaper, just as a, I don't know what I was doing, but reading the Star Ledger in the back of the bus. But uh, it, <laughs> it's crazy take NJ Transit. But yeah, I mean, he just forced us to think outside the box. He would, you know. I think it was very important for him to understand ways for us to be actually take care of ourselves as well. So he would, you know, drop us off sometimes in like a random town and be like, yo, you got to find your way home. Damn. Yeah, and just like bounce. And sometimes he'd be like watching from a distance. Sure. We didn't know, but he'd be watching from a distance. You'd find sure. out after. It's yeah, like, we were safe the entire time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, or like make, it, it expose us to different things, like drop us at the courthouse, be like, yo, go watch a trial, see how things work. So he definitely, uh, and I thank him for it, definitely made us realize the good and bad that existed in the world, but also a different conceptualization of, you know, the world being bigger than, uh, you know, just that little cul-de-sac. So it was, uh, it was definitely a good upbringing. Hell yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And then going in, you went to college. Yeah. Did you, did you plan on going to an elite school from the get-go? Was, was the path always be pro athlete and have that mindset or did it kind of just evolve based on you being a natural born competitor. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like, I was just really good at sports and I was also really good at academics. So I always figured I would go to, I didn't put much thought into it. I just figured like I would end up at a good school, whatever that may be. Um, you know, just following the footsteps of my other siblings as well. Like, uh, I probably should have took it more seriously. Like I never did the SAT or ACT tutors or anything like that, but I realized something was probably up when I started getting letters from Yale for like football and, and interest in that. Pretty good sign. Yeah. And my <laughs> his, AP history teacher sat me down and yelled at me because one time in her class, I was like, yo, what's the point? Like if I get a, a B plus or an A minus, just whatever. She's like, Joe, can I talk to you after class? And she railed into me, was like, I'm in the office and I see you getting letters from Yale and I don't think you understand how big of a deal that is and you're here, and I, here just sitting down and saying such and such isn't important, da da da. Miss McElroy, bless her heart, railed into me. And it still didn't fully click. It probably, you know, didn't fully click until college after uh, I eventually got to the University of Pennsylvania on my own and then walked onto the football team where I became a three-year starter. Um, but I just, uh, lucky enough, I mean, I, I applied myself very hard at things, but I didn't necessarily think like, oh, I had to go to Ivy League school, I had to do this, I had to do that. But I started to realize the possible benefits of getting into elite schools. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I was, I, was, I was lucky to be, uh, to be chosen, so. Definitely. It certainly clicked if you're still dropping it now. I mean, I, I yeah, have yeah, yeah. specific <laughs> teachers good and bad in that way that yeah. shook me in some way, shape or form. And she's like, yeah, yeah. I remember Miss Riley Davis yeah. from first grade <laughs> yeah. when she said that. Yeah. It was I, I crazy did. though. Like I didn't take that seriously. What really made me, what really pushed me was when one of my football coaches, when he told me I would never get into an Ivy league school. And I was like, Oh word. Like somebody who I thought would Challenge like support accepted. me yeah. through that endeavor. Um, so yeah, uh, sports and acumen kind of came naturally to me. Uh, and I, you know, I luckily went on to play at play in Philly. 
and you, you walked onto the football team. That was the only yeah. sport you played in college, like and yeah. took seriously. Yeah. So I mean, once you're, I mean, I thought about trying to play basketball as well because I played basketball and football in college or high school, and I was gonna do. Uh, I was gonna think about going to some D two or D three schools to play both, but um, I eventually just decided to focus on football in college. Amazing. And then you, your career in college was going great. Yeah. Phenomenal. There was a big hurdle though. Yeah, yeah, I got hurt. I mean, uh, I was a little, uh, I, I think everybody grows from traumatic experiences. Traumatic experiences either make you turn into a little bit of a desolate kind of, dark, I mean, not dark, because I, I am actually kind of dark, but dark in a sense of you get super, uh, you get like this kind of hollow feeling and then you think like nothing really matters or you turn it into a situation where you realize everything matters, but nothing makes sense. So that's what happened to me was a situation where and that's how I kind of live my life. It's like everything does matter, but just nothing makes inherent sense. But in my sophomore year, I basically hurt my ankle. Doctors couldn't tell me what was up. Um, sprained it pretty badly. Eventually turned. I tried to play with it. I should have listened to my dad. It was like, you need to take time off. I still tried to play with it, you know, whatever, be a tough guy. Um, and it turned eventually into a stress fracture and like, you know, stress reaction and bone spurring, all this other stuff. And then I had to end up missing a year was still super uncomfortable and nobody could really tell me why it was hurting um and eventually after i eventually realized after you know studying a little bit on chronic pain and emotional connection and sorts i realized like my emotional mindset was so off i was i was depressed my emotional state was so off i still deal with ramifications from it to this day uh, was that my body couldn't heal itself so i worked back with my dad and we kind of took an integrative approach to it both through rehab stuff and of course the medical team at upenn you know shout out to them from really working with me um outside of the coaching staff um and uh we we healed it uh and then from there that, that's possibly one of the biggest understatements of all time <laughs> what that you just healed it the, <laughs> yeah, t the I mean, time frame is what makes it amazing yeah that one took a while that one took like it took over a year to figure out what was going on and then we took a step back reevaluated everything but nobody could really say what was up and then brought me back to a place with limited to no pain where i could actually play at a decent level again because it was a very strong likelihood honestly i think back on it um, I had to see so many specialists too. It was like, I probably should, there was a chance that I couldn't, I had some doctors tell me I wouldn't be able to play again, which fucked me up even more. Like you, you, I couldn't walk down the street at a point in time with like, without pain in my ankle, which is, which is bizarre. But work through it, came back. And then my fifth year playing, I broke my leg. I know like fourth game of the year, one guy hit me low. Still remember the play it was a slant. One guy hit me low. It was the wrong read. I, I love you, Andrew, but you made the wrong read on that play. It's quarterback's <laughs> name. Double slants. The linebacker jumped. Should have hit the inside slam, but it's whatever. Uh, <laughs> got hit low. Other guy hit me high. Felt the leg pop. Thought I was all right. And then I tried to run on it. And then I felt another pop going for the x-ray. I'm crying. My parents are there. I was on the cover of the program that game. Um, doctor comes in. I immediately knew as I saw the look in his eyes. He's like, you're done for the year. I'm like, okay, I was shook, but then I realized like, all right, like there, there has to be a way to beat this. So let's take the previous lessons learned. I gave myself about 36 hours and I was like, all right, we're gonna attack this. We're gonna attack this hard. Um, and I came back with them for, I called my shot. You know, doctors didn't really think it was possible. I would I, I should have came back, or honestly, I should have come back earlier, but I did something stupid <laughs> that I've never told anybody about. But like, 
That's a story for another day. Um, but I was, <laughs> now I'm, I'm curious. I, I kind of want to. Nah, it has to do with like an ex girlfriend and stuff. So I'm not even gonna bring it up. Fair. But um, then by then I came back. I was able to come and play again that year. And then I thought, you know, there had to be a different way to approach basically the mind body connection, coupling that with nutrition. And then I also realized just as I was like, as I was blogging about my experience at the time, I was like, I was tweeting about it. Um, it kind of caught a little bit of uh, hype that way. And then I realized also as my other classmates were talking to me and other people on campus was that nobody feels good. Like not just, just out, not just outside of, uh, outside of injuries, like, but nobody was feeling well. So that's what really intrigued me was the fact that like, we talk about the gym space, we talk about all these other spaces, but we're not actually fixing the condition of like this just chronic low grade feeling of that nobody feels great. And that's kind of been, you know, my my goal ever since is like to crack this code about like why does why do none of us actually feel good? And it's very bizarre. And even a lot of us at this young at these young ages have these aches, have these pains mentally, emotionally, physically. And I just think there's just like a missing piece in wellness that's not addressing that. Yeah, I yeah. I totally agree with that. I around the time when I went down the Ocho system rabbit hole, my friend brought me into the world with your content and just eating right and focusing on what you're putting into your body, dramatic change. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. My, my diet was terrible. Yeah. I, since December, it's now what, June? Yeah. I lost 35 pounds from oh, December wow. to April. Amazing. Just primarily changing diet. Yeah. And exercising about the same amount, but boy, that's I sick, just man. feel better. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's it was shout out like, to my friend. She really put me on. <laughs> and shout out to like, her. <laughs> amazing. Um, but it's just so important. And the other piece yeah. that I really like about, about your vibe and your brand and everything is you're, you're okay with saying it's not okay. It's okay being not okay. Yeah. I mean, and like yeah. not everyone's perfect every time. And I mean, we're seeing snapshots on Instagram of what's curated with people's lives and like there's real shit happening and that real shit's okay. Yeah. Like you I mean, can experience that. It's okay for you to not be happy all the yeah, time. That's yeah, yeah, normal yeah. actually. I think two, as weird as it sounds, I think two of the most destructive behaviors in modern day institutions in modern day society are the cult of happiness and and religion and in religion in the sense of if it makes you externalize your power source so anything that makes you very disingenuous so i think you know especially as a as an african-american and you know the 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 role that christianity has, has played in the african-american community for both good and bad i'm just against anything that's that doesn't keep authenticity and that externalizes power sources and I think when you always tell somebody to be happy, that doesn't take into the full range. You can't have happiness without sadness. You can't have it without grief. You can't have it without melancholy. And I think we just need to be openly honest about, especially with regarding mental health. You know, one of my one of my uh, uh, classmates in college on the football team committed suicide. We thought he was the happiest guy ever. And you know, that may be connected to certain other things, but we see the rate often increasing. And becomes a situation where uh, people are masking things. And, and even the same, like, everything's not always good on my end. I mean, I battle with a bunch of stuff, as a lot of my close friends know. And I think you need to be able to tell that story, that it's okay not it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay not, as I've, you know, been continuously learning, it's not okay to not work through that. It's not okay to not think you can seek help. It's not okay to not think you can lean, to lean on your friends. But... You have these this this fake veneer where everybody is mining. Basically, it's kind of hit me today. Like everybody's mining for inst for double taps and Instagram likes instead of mining their soul and their 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 heart for what makes them tick. 
and what makes them special and what these oddities that they think they shouldn't embrace, like they actually, sh- they actually should. Yeah. So um, it's an ever growing process. And that's when, you know, oftentimes I, if I have, to, if I give a talk or I show up at certain things and when people come up to me and they're like, yo, you seem like you have it all figured out. And I'm like, the moment that I think I have it all figured out is a moment that I know something's wrong. Yeah. It's going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart. Cause at the end of the day, if I had it all figured out, if I said I had it all figured out, then you shouldn't quote unquote follow me or you shouldn't think that I know what I'm doing because I'm at the end of the day on the same path, just trying to figure it out on a probably on a little bit more intense level as you and just take some of those learnings because I'm often struggling just as bad as you are and just trying to give it to you so you don't have to go to the same, go through the same things that I went through. Yeah. Like trauma creates growth, but I don't think everybody should have to experience the traumas that I've faced and that um, they could possibly just learn from those. And then we basically share in each, in each other's traumas for that to be a fertilizer for hopefully of a better of a better uh, of a better world, which we're in drastic need of. So, Hell yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. man, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so after after you miraculously came back from a broken leg within four weeks, yeah, which was too long, in your opinion, it was basically. <laughs> you hit. I mean, you wowed everybody. What was your football career like from then on out? I mean, that? that was my last year. I mean, I, I mean, I had like small inklings and desires, I guess, to go pro, but my head was just out of it after kind of dealing with that whole situation. And, uh, I, then, uh, I just was like, all right, let me, let me graduate, I guess. Uh, get the piece of paper. Yeah. Get the piece of paper. Let's keep moving. Um, and you know, but I, I mean, football made me who it was a core component of made me who I am today, but then I just graduated and, uh, it got me my first job. I worked for health warrior for, uh, Nick Morris, who's a Penn alum, uh, hired me there. Um, you know, believed in me and continues to believe in me from you day one. You were one of the first employees. Yeah, I was probably employee number like four. So I first worked in sales because as a startup, you got to sell or you're gonna you're gonna sink. And then I eventually became community manager, working on like strategic partnerships and events and uh, like integrative social media strategy before you know influencers and all that were a thing. Um, but then eventually moved on, uh, Nike kind of Nike found me, um, uh, very serendipitously. And that's why you always need people to believe in you. While I was working full time at health where I was working part time at a gym and they came and scouted a class that I wasn't even supposed to be teaching actually. And then after they asked me if I would like to be involved with Nike and I'm like, yo, yeah, for sure. Sure. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> all right, like be on the lookout for email, be more information. I never got the email. I get a call and I had to go give a talk actually at Harvard Law School this day. And I had a train in about an hour and a half. I get a call. I'm like, hello. And they're like, this is so-and-so from Nike. We have uh, our interviews today. We didn't see you on the list. Um, but I wanted to reach out because we really want you in here. Can you come in today? And I'm like, damn, I got to catch this train. Which is also crazy because I would if I would have booked that train an hour earlier, my whole life would be different. Totally. So I then I'm like, I can't. They're like, all right, don't worry about it. You can come back in another time. And then I went back. And then they call me back, like, no, we need you to come in today. So I'm like, shit. So I rush over there before my train. Hop. They were like, all right, we know you. We know you got to go. We could, let's cut. We'll cut out this slot for you. Um, we need you basically to come up with a, a warm up, a cool a work, a quick workout, and cool down. Um, we'll ask you a few questions. Um, get ready for it. So, which is funny today because I remember walking in. This is when they were still at their old uh, old headquarters in New York. And I see all these people that are like studying and are like going crazy. I'm like, I don't, I don't have time. I just have yeah. to go for it. And uh, I, I went in and luckily it went well. 
and uh, they eventually hired me as part of their Nike Master Trainer, uh, Nike Master Trainer Network. Um, but uh, it goes to speak to two things, which is one, it is a lot of it is just luck, and you got to have people out there that want you to succeed. Because honestly, if I didn't cover that class, if I booked that train a little later, or I didn't have uh, her name is Aaron, shout out to her. If she didn't look at that list and say, "I really want Joe," I would I wouldn't have had any of these opportunities. Yeah. Would have been then, going about your day. Yeah, I mean, I, who knows what I'd be doing right now. And then, honestly, it's funny because I, I remember there's certain faces in there that I remember seeing that now I'm not gonna say they're they're irrelevant, but they they're not who they once yeah. were. And that shit keeps me going every day because I'm like, yo, honestly, there's people out here that want to kill your idols. So I know there's people out here you may look up to me, but at the end of the day, what you're really doing is hunting me, and you you're trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. Just fine, like that's the world. And also, the faster you become relevant, the faster you become irrelevant. So that, just, that honestly just keeps me going every day is the fact that, like, I was a new kid on the block, came in there quick and basically took their spot. And today they're, they're in the same place or a worse place that they were at that day. And, I mean, I don't know. That, 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 keeps, me, that keeps me motivated. So, you, you know, just don't get comfortable. Yeah, ever. Ever. Everybody, everybody get comfortable. Everybody get comfortable in this, you know, fake world of – of opportunities that will come and go, but like, that's my deal. That's why I try to do as many things as possible because if one of these rugs get pulled out from under me, I got a few more that'll keep yeah. me at least cozy for a second. It won't keep me comfortable, but they'll keep me slightly cozy. So you got to keep going. Hell yeah. Crazy. So Nike Master Trainer. Yeah. What, what does that fully mean? I mean, basically like Nike has a, uh, has a roster of uh, trainers around the world, um, including North America, uh, that... They 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 consider master trainers basically kind of like top in their top in their craft, but also with uh, kind of the uh, the other responsibilities and and endeavors that they have going on. So um, yeah, so that's really what Nike Master Trainer is. They uh, but yeah, with anything you got to earn your keep. They could use you a little, they could use you a lot. But yeah, you got to make sure. And when they call, you answer. You got to call. Go. You yeah, first. So crazy story about this. If it reminds me, because like people don't realize is like once you got not you only have your foot on the throat, but once you get your foot in the door, I don't care how you got in that door, whether you think you belong there or not, you make sure that you rip it open. Because mm-hmm. my deal was was so I had my first Nike shoot. I was at the track. Um, I think it was it was a girl I was dating at the time, but I don't know. But I was at the <laughs> track, and I usually keep my phone on airplane mode when I'm at the track, and I was like. Um, I turn it off. I turn it off from airplane mode for a second, just because I was like something was telling Whatever me to take reason, it off. Yeah. yeah, I get a call or a text. You're like, "Hey, this is Chris from uh, Nike. Um, are you? Can you hop on the phone real quick?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." I pick up. And he's like, "Hey, Joe, uh, we're filming. A, we have a shoot at the Rose Bowl. Uh, I, honestly, I had never shot for Nike yet. They're like, we're filming a uh, a pretty big commercial at the Rose Bowl." We realize we need one more male trainer. Uh, are you? F- can you get to the airport in an hour? And I'm like, fuck. All right. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Of so course I, I can. Yes, so, I'll so, figure it out. Yeah, I'm like, I'll figure it out. So I turned to the turn to the girl I was with. I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> gotta go to the Rose Bowl. I gotta, I gotta, I'm sorry. I gotta go. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I like rush home, pack my bag, whatever, hop on. 
uh, the hop on the flight, get there to LA. There's a certain uh, there's a team of trainers out there, and my first Nike spot was like uh, a national and an, maybe a worldwide commercial that it was. It ended up playing during the Super Bowl that year, actually. Damn. And that was my probably my uh, my first my first ever Nike shoot. And then from there, um, you know, it just kind of grew. But I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you always answer the you always answer the call phone when they call. That's right. Um, Rip the door open. Yeah, that was crazy. I forgot about That's that. That's nuts. Yeah. That's so intense. I don't even remember what your original question was. Oh, what is the Nike Master yeah. Trade? <laughs> no, it was the perfect segue. What are you talking? That was amazing. Yeah. That, that's uh, what yeah, it was yeah, and yeah. then some. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's real. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is an awesome group. Some of them uh, are my best friends. Shout out to Kirsty Godsell. You should probably have on here too one of these days. But um, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she's great. A little fireball. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what a Nike Master Trader life is about. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you so you went to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. When in in this time frame had you started the idea and the concept for Ocho System? Because I know that yeah, was yeah, yeah. So that's already nickname. been a lot. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was like kind of my nickname, but it, it more developed into like. This play, this like playoff infinity. So basically, it was just kind of I consider it more of a greeting. It's just like one can help others, and others can help one. Um, and it, I think that creates an inf infinite feedback loop of gratitude when you think about everybody else but yourself, because then everybody else, everyone will be taken care of. Truly really believe that, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like an integrative kind of like wellness wellness strategy, which where I just try to bring in everything that I'm learning under the umbrella of both physical and 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 mental and fitness and see about how the different things that I kind of uh, can create create in the world. Um, so that had technically been around since college. Um, and then it's just, it's just kind of, it's just kind of grown. And then the, the master trainer role is that, that would pretty much started to snowball everything else and all of the other different rugs that you have that are going to keep you moderately, uh, yeah, calm yeah. and, and yeah. not comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, well, of course, with Nike co-signs, like that's a big deal. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but basically what kind of got me to where I am as well is the thought that they were pushing group fitness really hard. And I was like, hold up, like I can do this, but that's not what I think I'm fully about or where the industry is going. I thought the one-on-one -on -one kind of personal training was going to have a moment. Um, the integrating of running. So I'm also like a Nike plus run club coach. So the integration of running plus training was going to have a moment and then making women comfortable in the gym was going to have a, was going to have a moment. Um, so I really focused on those things and that's when it started to pay off because I started to work very closely with the Nike comms team. So I got to be involved in like, uh, I, I like fashion week concierge services, Super Bowl stuff. So that got me like culturally relevant because yeah. they were like, who is this kid kind of like infiltrating these like circles? Yeah. Um, like he's a trainer, but it's still kind of smart. He's not like a meathead. So right. It was, it was yeah. just a different Super approachable. Yeah. It's like a different, I was just kind of creating like a different archetype in a space. Um, but I was also super passionate about just other endeavors. Like, Tra training isn't low brow, but it's relatively low fi. You know yeah. what I mean? And no, and in terms of fitness, like, and then, I'm super intrigued by the performance world, which is a little bit different than just fitness. So more of like sports science, things of that. So seeing how I could, you know, pick certain aspects from that and put it into my fitness practices. Um, and then it started to, and then it started to pick up because, you know, naturally through the connection with Nike, you get press hits and stories and it was just kind of growing. And I think it's because I made it about everybody else, but myself that I became an interesting subject because 
in the beginning, every all, all trainers are just trying to make it about them. Yeah. And that's like, that's just, I mean, I, I think because of the injuries I dealt with in college, like, and being a full, this is the thing, like, I've been an athlete my whole life, so I didn't need to shine anymore. I was like, I've had that spotlight yeah. and shine my whole life. And oftentimes when people become in the fitness world, two things happen. They're either former athletes that are still chasing that shine or the people that have never had that shine. So they want it. I, I don't. I, I think I think I think uh, it's fitness and performance should be results driven. So it should be about what you're doing for other people. Um, and I guess that just struck a chord and uh, and Did, it kind of grew. Were from you there. doing private training at that point as a master trainer had that practice already been up or did that kind of snowball a little bit after the press hits when you're at fashion week and it's like oh, I, mean, I, like I was already doing pri- i was already doing private training and luckily nike sets you up with people accordingly and then i was getting other clients too um and yeah it just yeah the, it just it just kept coming in um, now it's slowed down a bit just in a sense I don't have the bandwidth to yeah. do as many clients as I can but I you know I yeah, try to keep itinerary my, for the next few weeks oh my god <laughs> just don't just blew my mind month. Um, but I keep my core clientele happy and try to you know do the best that I can with that but I mean training has its limits training has its ceiling I really want to I really want to really change I want to do bigger things not that there's anything wrong with being a trainer but like I, I just work in so many different capacities and I really want to like change wellness on a bigger on a bigger scale yeah so that's what i'm driving to do hell yeah yeah i I think you're on your way i'm trying man i mean i think uh one of the best and worst things you can have is like just paranoia um i think you need low doses of paranoia for best success and uh i mean that's what i have so certain some days i think i'm doing great other days i think I'm going to lose everything, but yeah. it keeps you both kind of moods keep you going. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just, just to your point from before, when you said that people are hunting you, yeah, like, every yeah, day. that's some paranoia, but yeah. it's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's like, you know, I just had a spread in Hypebeast magazine. I have a, another big announcement coming in about a month or so. And it's just like, you got to put up or shut up. It's like, I had this, I had this saying with one of my buddies, and I would tell him now, now whenever we see each other or I get down on myself, he always texts me this. He's like, yo, max contract year. So what I was basically saying is kind of what I have this athlete mindset is like, there's a different mindset that you have to, that you have to take when you're in your, when you're in your last year, that contract playing for a max contract. Mm-hmm. And that's what last year and part of this year was for me. It was like, I was playing for that next steps, max contract. And I got those, and I got those opportunities. Like, I got a pretty solid max contract deal with with some of the things that I have going on. But then it's like, damn, like once you get it, then you got to prove it. Yeah. And then the contract le- lessens up again and then you got to prove it again. So every day I'm trying to prove that not only did I do I deserve the max contract, but I'm also going to deserve the next one that's coming through. Yeah. So that's that hard, man. Yeah. It's hard. That's the, I I totally agree. A lot of people and you're not in this camp, but they, yes, partially you celebrate the contract, but that's when the work starts and doubles down. Like that's, that's crazy. It's similar to our, my world where with investing and everything, a lot of people celebrate when people raise money, they owe a bunch of people money at that point and they need to put that money to work. Like that, the work starts then like, great. You raise money, you take a little bit of pressure off, but that's when the work starts. Yeah. I mean, a reward for good work is more work. 100%. 100%. That's, that's from War of Art, too. That's one of Tom Sachs saying, Tom Sachs saying as well. It's like the reward for good work is more work. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is like, 
This shit is crazy. Like it's, it's already what is it, like six thirty seven o'clock today, and I've while I've done urgent things, I've done things that'll keep me afloat, and I've done things that need to get done. I've literally done nothing. And no offense to you at all. No, but I've literally done nothing important yet today. None. Nothing. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't you get. You got another 30 minutes of not doing something <laughs> important probably too. But so. that's like, what a lot of people don't get is like, those extra two to four hours that you got to put in per day that like try to set the stage for what's not guaranteed, but what's hopefully uh, a successful future. Like that's the hardest thing. And that's what I'm still trying to do. But it's like, people don't, people don't get it, man. Like, yeah. This shit, it's not, it's really not easy. And I, I like that you put that process out there, just like showcasing, like not, it's not all great. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Which is good, which I think is solid. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think people need to see the full, you know, Kobe, Kobe didn't get back from his Achilles injury just out of nowhere. Like he had to put in work, but he also had a downfall. Like he had to deal with all those things. So I, I don't think people should just show that, show the angles. Like you got to show. You got to show the process, but not not also to be in like the other flip side of that is a cult of like masochism. There's a cult of like showcasing hardships too. It's like the cult of overworking. It's like, yeah, no, I'm not showing that to be like, oh, you should always be grinding. You should always be doing this. You should always be doing that. Like fuck sleep. Like, you know, fuck all that. It's like, no, go to sleep. First off, go to sleep, please. 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 Yeah. Just as like it's a general human and it's, and it's necessary for you. Please go to sleep. But also do realize what I like to say is that there's a difference between health and performance, right? You could have, and the thing, uh, and this is something that's taken from the sports world, is like basketball players typically have stiffer ankles because they need to jump. But then in the offseason, they're probably doing certain things to make sure it doesn't go too far mm -hmm. where their performance hurts their health. But there are certain times when you know there's stuff that you're going to want to do if you're going to have to perform that is detrimental for your health. Yeah. Well, if you need, if there is a week or two where you got to be sleep deprived, right? But that's not a, that shouldn't be a chronic activity that will have long-term detrimental effects on your health. Yeah. But I, if you do want to perform, if you do want to do anything great, there will be stretches of time where shit is going to be trash. Totally. Shit is going to be ass. Things you might, things might not go your way, both, uh, which is what I had to learn both per personal life and professionally just because they're so, they're just so intertwined for me now. Um, but you, 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 you kind of got to You kind of got to keep pushing. Um, I'm but, really glad that you just said what you just said about personal and work intertwining so much your approach. And this is a very loaded question. Like how, how do you approach that? And do you have set boundaries between like when work stops and when personal time stops, do you have sort of a, a schedule that you like to abide by with slots or something? Like how do you, how do you um, approach that? I mean, I basically, I mean, I'm, I am notorious for being awful with responding to things. It is not anything personal, but I, I mean, it's slightly anxiety stuff, but like I get no push notifications for anything. I don't get push notifications for email, texts, Nothing, just alarms, like nothing for Instagram, no social media. I don't like things that interrupt my stream of stream of consciousness. So that's a boundary that I have to I have to put down. I mean, which I know probably annoys some people because most people are all probably always on their phone and want uh, quick answers. But uh, I've taken a lot from uh, Jason Fried or whatever. Like I think what he says uh, in his book, uh, it it doesn't have to be hard at work. I think was his latest release. Um, but I just try to protect my mornings and my nights. And then I realize like when I'm bogged down during the day and unless it's a complete emergency, like 
if you if you can't get in contact with me, like it's fine. You can't get in contact with me. Yeah. So I th- I, I think um, it's back to old school when yeah. you had a landline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. left the house. You're yeah, not getting like, that call. That's that's exactly what it's like. Like so, you I think you have to set clear boundaries there. And I don't know if this one's necessarily good, uh, but I'll just go dark. Like there'll be stretches of time too where like even my best friends can't get in contact with me just because like I just personally need to recalibrate. Like I'm just in such a place where like. I just have to, I just have to figure out whatever is going on with me. Um, but I think you need to set, you know, clear time aside with me on the weekend, certain days during the week where you just sit down and just try to try to figure, figure it all out and write and journal and have recovery practices, whether that be, you know, going in a sauna or getting a massage or doing acupuncture, things of that nature that can restore you to your, uh, to your best self. But it's an ever going process for me just because travels picked up a lot more works picked up a lot more. It's hard uh, for me to put time aside. That's not at like really weird hours um, to, 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 uh, to kind of recoup my losses. Has there been, and maybe there hasn't, but has there been maybe one hack or one calendar trick that you've found has worked exceptionally well for you for balancing everything that you have going on just because there's so many different hats. Yeah, uh, I don't have the best, uh, I forget a lot in the sense of like just task-based oriented work. So my thing is, is like I'll wake up a little early and I won't check my phone or anything, but I'll just, I won't get out of bed. I'll still lay in bed. But because of all the things that I have to do, there's often that sense of like impending doom. So I'll just come to terms with it and I'll just lay there in my bed and I'll just breathe. I'll just take deep breaths. I'll just run through what I think I need to get done that day. The important, the basically the, the shit that's not important, but is urgent, uh, go through admin tasks, uh, the important things I need to get done. And then tenderly the things that will need to happen during my day. I just breathe. I just keep breathing through it to just try to keep my nervous system calm while I go through it. And then I'll write it out. So it won't, then it won't be on my, it won't be on my mind. I'll just write it out. And then I'll try to basically schedule periods like a class schedule in my day where I'll try to get a few of those things done before, quote unquote, having to cram at night. And when I do that, I have to feel a little bit better just because then when the chaos of my day starts, somebody's late, somebody needs to move something. I got to get on a call for this. I got to whatever ends up maybe happening. You have to go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I don't maybe, know. <laughs> maybe you have to go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> it's just like... Um, I'm able then to put up with it. So even like on a day like today, it's like, all right, in the middle of the day, I had some stuff that I had to get on an important call with Smartwater real quick, which I didn't, which basically took about an hour of my time, which I didn't know that I'd have to do that day. Instead of freaking it out, it's like, okay, like it is what it is. Like I'll be able to deal with it, keep it moving. Um, Yeah, but I think it's just getting that all out first. And then at the end of the day, just then going back to, uh, I think you should look at, you should per day. You should try to accomplish one thing that's important. Uh, a few things that are admin that are super annoying but are very necessary to get done, and then uh, one personal kind of family thing. Like call your mom, call your dad, do something. And then I think that cascades over time because what I've dealt with and what I'm continuously dealing with is like you. It's on your mind, but it's not out there, so you don't review it to get it done. And then next thing you know, three to six months later, you haven't done something that should have been done a long time ago. And then you'll have to basically deal 
you often either have to pay more money or more time to be able to get it done. Mm-hmm. And so, the time's more expensive than the money yeah, is. Yeah, that's facts. So it's not even, um, it's not even about like dropping everything in that moment if it disrupts your thought process to get it done. But it's like, all right, I know at the end of this day, I got at least one urgent, a few urgent things done, something, working towards something important, and then something a little bit more overall meaningful. Hell yeah. Um, I think it's good advice. I think that's great advice. <laughs> One, a couple of things I want to touch on and then I'll let you get back uh, and hopefully do something important. <laughs> I don't know. But one thing I really like about one of your pillars is the plant-based gang. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that I actually eat meat and I can still be in the plant-based yeah, gang, dog. which is Just a different coolest. tier, but you yeah, in it. <laughs> 100%. I need, still need to get a hoodie from our mutual friend, yeah, Payman. Yeah, gotta get Shout one. Shout out Matt Happy. <laughs> but uh, I, could you just talk about more like your attitude towards that and and the inclusive nature of that because I, I think yeah, that that's a sure. pretty cool concept um everything these days has become so uh hard whether you look at politics whether you look at culture like people want to belong to certain tribes which i get but then they that they act like there's no room for anything else so with my thing with like plant-based gang was like i just saw a few years ago the trend towards plant-based eating and then i also realized how much better it was making me feel but i also did realize uh it's okay for people if they want to eat, you know, certain meats, certain fish, certain animal products. The bigger issue at large at hand is that less than 15% of the American population gets enough fruits and vegetables, right? I'm not going to, like, if you want to eat whatever you want to eat, you know, do what you got to do in terms of animal sources. But what I'm going to get you on you about is, like, you ain't eating enough fruits and vegetables. Like, just come join the gang. Like, what's really good? Like, can we get you to eat more fruits and vegetables and unprocessed foods? We also figure out a way to get people who need food more access to it. That's why there's, like, a charitable component to it as well. But, like, I'm not... A lot of you could also be vegetarian or vegan and not be plant based gang because if you're eating shitty, if you're not eating properly, then that's not what it's about. Like, that's for me, food is a social, human social justice issue before anything. Like, I get if you're into animal welfare, I get it by all means, environmental impact by all means as well. But I think step one, this goes back to ULLC and like my vision as basically incorporating humans into like a design framework we're all designing ourselves is that there's a social inherent social justice issue which has to do with not just access but assimilation into the culture of the ingestion of fruits and vegetables and i in my opinion i think it's slightly purposeful but it's like we need to solve that problem first you know and the same thing with like what we see going on with plastics like well we Nobody also, nobody recycles. So there's an inherent even privilege with that, with saying like, don't you, especially with, there's such a commitification right now within capitalism. It's like, all right, it's fine if you don't want to use plastic, but what about the fucking poor person in the Bronx in Brooklyn that needs those certain things? It's like, well, we should be setting up an infrastructure for their abandonment where they could get recycling or have access to cheaper bags, things of that nature, yeah. cheaper fruits and vegetables. It's like, all right, you want to say you're vegan or whatever and you only eat organic and do this and do that. But like, again, what about creating the culture at large for the struggling mom in Brooklyn that 
can't worry about getting her. her, her they want nothing more yeah, than that. They, it's what it's they just not love. accessible. It's just not. It's not even just that it's not accessible. It's just that the culture makes it so difficult. Not just for them have access, but for it assimilation into their lifestyle. So even for that, before that mom having to cook, she's worried about getting enough money. And then we have whatever the 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 Department of Education cutting access to lunch or breakfast for these children. And then of course the mom's got to get them something quick, but of course these sugary foods or lack of foods is hurting their educational output. But you really out here still telling people to fucking not worry about plastic straws, when right. we got kids, which right. I get, which is important. Yeah. But it's like, that's the shit that kills me, that people often don't see their inherent privilege when it comes to calling for certain actions to be done or not be done instead of figuring out how, how are we going to break down these ivory towers of wellness? How are we going to break out these reverse ghettos that have been created that don't incorporate everybody? Because ultimate wellness is that when everybody should be good. Yeah. And that's like, a we need to reconceptualize I'm not a huge fan of degrowth. I think we need to, but we need to look at a post-growth kind of mindset in which consumption isn't the ultimate form of basically of uh, uh, of wellness because now wellness is still now in a consumption based. I gotta eat. I gotta eat this better. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. But we also need to remove negative action. So we need to remove the inability for people to be able to eat enough fruits and vegetables. We need to remove excess per purchase practices and call upon these companies now to have more investment in the communities that they may be harming yeah. and supposedly helping. So kind of plant based gang is is formed through that ethos. It's a thought process. If I'm more mindful about what I eat, if I have to have a microdose of stress that limits my food choices. Then that should put me in a that should put me in the shoes in a true fellow feeling empathetic manner of the person that doesn't even have the luxury to make those cho choices. And then I should change totally the way not just I approach my eating strategies because I want to make sure that I'm my best, but I should change the way that I approach the world and everybody else that lives in it. Yeah, have so a little bit more of, self awareness and yeah. take context into account. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the way behind plant based gang, and it's kind of caught on. And you know, shout out to the gang out there. Hell yeah, I appreciate y'all. That's um, amazing. Yeah, that's the vibe. And I'm glad you mentioned the the charity component and everything. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit more about system of service yeah, and yeah. what that is and, and what it means to you? Yeah, I mean, system of service is like the redheaded stepchild, but that's also my favorite just because I love the concept so much, just trying to figure out the best way to continuously go about it. But basically, my co-founder, Olivia Perez, shout out to her. She also launched her own podcast, oh, amazing. Shameless Plug. Um Guys should do like a podcast-a-thon or something. Let's do it. I'm in. <laughs> but uh, she's a shark. She's like from L.A., just tw little 25-year-old, but you want to know it. But um, I, I, in 2000, I've had this on my mind for a while. I was just like, I was just fed up basically with why aren't we treating community service as something that should be done consistently? Um and I was always bothering her about it. And then, of course, the 2016 election happened. And I think that woke up a lot of people who don't take social justice on a daily account. Mm -hmm. And then what's funny is, and I'll come out right and say this, but like when the election happened, there's like an inside joke with like the African-American community, because now like a lot of people in liberal places now felt felt kind of like displaced or marginalized. 
And we were all like, and it was some text groups about it too. We were all like, welcome guys. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the club. We're We've been like, keeping it warm for you. This is you like, know? Yeah. we wake up and feel like this every day. What's yeah. good? Uh, but then I think it made people have this energy that they wanted to put somewhere. So uh, Olivia and I talked about it eventually in 2018. It kind of kicked off, but we just wanted to figure out easy ways to empower both our community, uh, our personal community, but our micro community in which we live. Because I think we're also so transient and don't understand things that we could do in our immediate community to like help it. So that's what system of service is about. It's really just about like uh, working uh, services, like exercise every day, figuring out ways how to do little things every day to really be better. Um, and kind of build from there. So we had a few events, uh, teamed up with Nike, teamed up with Smartwater. We uh, teamed up with uh, um, NYPR. And we, uh, you know, cleaned, we did everything from clean parks to sneaker donations, et cetera. But um, we're taking a pause just to, to, to figure out the best way to continuously moving forward. But I'm really passionate about it. I'm really excited about it. Um, and I think there's a lot that we could do in terms of philanthropy and, and CSR and uh, just helping, um, I think brands are so, this is my thing. I don't care how many followers you have. I don't care, who, I don't care who the biggest person on Instagram is. Companies have been around for much longer and have billions of dollars. And I think the private sector is one of the few ways that we could cause substantial change. Of course, outside the public sector, but that moves slow. Public sector yeah. is a huge, massive bureaucracy and a, and a, and a, a huge, like slow moving warship. But the private, it, the private sector, especially the way ca capitalism is, the private sector could be a little bit more lean and they c we can make ideas and changes immediately. And I think, again, we have to call upon these companies to 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 put up where they say they if they not just to use it for marketing. Yeah. I don't, not to just use it for an inclusive campaign, not just to have some, have a slide in a deck, but to make real changes Do in it. the world. And I think we have to push them to do it. And, you know, that's one of the main things I also want to do with system of service uh, is the brands are in our lives. Like it is what it is. And I think our generation has realized that. Yeah. But now it's a situation of like, OK, what are you actually doing to make the world a better place? And we have to push them to do that. And that's that's what I want to do. One of, one of the last questions before I let you on your way. Have you had any life motto or mantra that you've lived by that sticks out, especially um, there's probably a couple yeah. just based on how I, I feel like I, I know you at this point, just following you for so long. It's such a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say, but the, um, I don't know the full, I don't know the full motto, but it gives me a feeling. I'll give one, a few, but the first one, uh, I'm a member of Cap Alpha Psi, uh, fraternity incorporated. And it's really cause I looked up to my big brother so much, but he had this one, which is like fear is a mind killer. It's like, you can't let fear be a mind killer. It's a whole longer passage and it connects back also to Invictus, but like, Fear is a mind killer, so don't let fear kind of overwhelm you. Um, again, the faster you become relevant, the faster you become irrelevant. So um, it's like always keeping that top of mind and figuring out other places that you continuously grow to find your your next success that builds off previous successes. Um, and again, I think you got to be selfless, and your only the only time you're selfish is in your pursuit of selflessness. So I think it's always remembering that even even at those times it's very easy to get hubris filled or it's very easy to be like, yeah, like that's me. Like, you know, I'm on that billboard. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm training this person, that person. It doesn't matter. You got to keep the bigger picture in mind. And that's like we're not well until we all are well. So then honestly, 
it's a goal that I know that I'll never achieve in my lifetime, but I have to continuously kind of, uh, I kind of have to work, uh, work towards that. And then my dad and grandma, rest their soul, always used to say, never rest until your good is better and your better is best. I like that. You got to be out here cooking up. So it's no rest for the wicked. Uh, but remember, still get your sleep. That's right. <laughs> Don't ignore that. That's right. That's right. With the, a week or so in between, whatever. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. You got to do what you got to do. It's all right. That's healthy. Yeah, yeah, Ish. Thanks. That's fine. What's Any, yours? What's mine? Mine. Mine's don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out alive. Facts. It's from uh, Van Wilder. Yeah, so yeah. definitely not the most up and up and inspirational source. But yeah. once I heard that and kind of applied it, it was just, it, it was life changing for me because I would just take certain situations where I would either get upset or something, just take a step back, and be like, "I'm alive. I woke up. I can walk. All my bodily functions work. This yeah. is great. Like I'm yeah. blessed. Yeah, I'm a straight Active. white dude in America. Yeah, like, you what the fuck do I have to be mad about yep. in this scenario? Like, True. no one's dead. My family's healthy. It's great." And I just approach that with any time I start to go down that path where I'm just like, oh man, like this happened and that happened and fuck it. Like, don't take it seriously. It's it's fine. And you can always walk things back within reason, like communication issues or whatever, like everything's fixable. It's fine. Like nothing's that serious. I'm not a doctor. If I was a doctor and a surgeon, yeah, that's life or death. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. Take that seriously. Mm-hmm. My life, no, have fun. Truth. Live your life. Big facts. I like that. What uh, what didn't we talk about that you want to plug or promote? Because I, I know you said you have a big project coming in a month and a half. We can't talk about that. Can't That's under wraps. That. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, a couple of big projects. Uh, a few big projects, actually. I mean, I don't know. I'm excited for the uh, my work with Whoop. They just released a new Strap 3.0. Um, again, it goes back to like ULC and data. More data I think you get on yourself that at the end of the day, it's like it only data will only get better from there, but it, it should change your behaviors for the better. It should just be another number out there. So it's just trying to it kinda of should ground you in the experience of uh of always of always being human. Um Whoops actually started to keep me honest. Yeah, that's the thing. I thought that's I slept deal. way more until I started seeing these numbers. Yeah. It's like five hours. What, yeah. No no no. I, I sleep like seven hours a night. Nah, it's like what's your real sleep? Nope. So it's like, what's like your your personal kind of hygiene, for lack of a better term, wellness habits is uh, is just keeping I I I think things kind of grounded in a, in in that nature. But I mean, I don't know when this when is this when is this actually going to release? Actually, I would say third week of June. Third week of June. Yeah. Oh, cool. I have some fun things with Nike coming up. Um, trying to do some things with my girl K guy too. So. Come out to some workouts, come out to some events. Hopefully that goes through. Um, I'm going to do some things in the writing space soon, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Phil, thank you for your time. Everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for the continued support. But uh, Where can people find you? Oh, yeah, if you want to find me on Instagram at Ocho System, uh, hopefully find me on my website soon when Phil helps me build it. Um, but, yeah, uh, find me online. Drop me a note. Don't be shy. Don't be a stranger. And but also know he does not have push notifications yes. on, so do not be upset don't take if he doesn't personal. get back to you right away. Don't take it personal, but I'm trying my best, yo. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we can do. Joe, thank you Thanks. so much for taking the time. Of course, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. That was solid. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you again for listening to episode 12 and any and all other episodes that you've listened to of the Tartar Project. It truly means a lot to me and I'm having so much fun doing this. So if you could help me get the word out there, as I said in the intro, as I say on every single intro outro, please share with your friends. Please tell people about the Tartar Project. Please rate me five stars on iTunes. Please follow me on Spotify. Please do any and all of that. I would greatly appreciate it. Or at the very least, please continue to listen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. But that was a great one. Joe, Joe is solid. I mean, I was nervous going into the conversation. Hadn't sat down with him before. And it's kind of interesting to throw a microphone in front of two people for a first conversation. I think we nailed it one thing I really want to highlight and it it sticks with me I mentioned it at the beginning of the episode is Joe's take on fear and that the fear that we ultimately have is fulfilling our own potential and that just sits with me and it's in the back of my mind day in and day out ever since he threw that post up and I feel like it's been beneficial for me because I can evaluate different situations in a different light and identify some behaviors that I'm doing that's kind of vague but it's my life so I have a different take than you would and maybe you might have some value in having that in the back of your mind going forward as well but that was a great conversation a ton of quotable sound bites I'm probably going to start throwing these up on Instagram or YouTube or something be sure to check Joe out on Instagram and whatever else is linked into the show notes whatever he wants to promote Maybe some of the exciting projects that he alluded to are out at this point. Check those out too. Have to be a little discreet there, you know, a friendy A. So thank you again for listening and I'll see you or talk to you or speak with you or speak to you next week. <laughs>